You are listening to the Let Them Testify podcast with your girl, Layla. So what are you waiting for? Let's testify. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Let Them Testify podcast. Uh, just thank you so much for being with us today and tuning in again. Or if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. Today's podcast, I got to chat to a good friend of mine, Pastor Joel Slade. He is the youth director down here um, in South Australia, where I am based. And yeah, it's just an awesome to hear his journey of um, God's guidance and faithfulness, I guess. So yeah, thank you for tuning in and let's, let's testify. Hey Joel, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, I guess to start off with, let's just let the listener know, like, who are you? Where are you from? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So my name's Joel and I've been living here in Adelaide for a couple of years now. Before that, I was based up on the Tweed Coast, which is like the southern end of the Gold Coast for those that don't know the area too well. And yeah, grew up around there, was pastoring Kingsliff Church for a couple of years, and then before that was based in the Newcastle area. Okay, that's cool. So you say you were pastoring up there. What's your role here in Adelaide? Like, why did you come down here? Uh, so I'm the youth director down here. I'm also the associate pastor at Adelaide City Church. And, yeah, have a lot of fun organising youth camps, youth rallies, different events like that. Although I shouldn't really say that because there's so many teams of people that uh, run all of these events. And so to say that I organise it's a bit of an overreach. There's so many people that do so much work. And so, yeah, can't really claim the credit for that. That's fair enough. It's good of you to give some credit where credit is due, I suppose. Um, So I guess becoming a pastor is kind of like a big deal in the sense that like it takes a lot to reach that conclusion so what was that journey like for you like where did well what was your family like and like yeah from there yeah yeah good question a lot of people always ask me when they find out I'm a pastor like oh so was your um, father a pastor was is there another minister in the family and for me my grandfather's brother was a minister he was actually a minister here in South Australia at Murray Bridge Church at one stage uh, which is kind of cool. I met some of the members there that knew him in those days. Um, but I actually had no linkage to his ministry simply because um, he was retired and in a nursing home by the time I met him. Um, he was quite a bit older um, than my grandfather. And so, yeah, he wasn't in a ministry capacity when I knew him as a young guy. And then by the time that I kind of had an interest in going into ministry. Um, yeah, he, he was already passed. And so there was no overlap there. I would have loved to just sit down with him and have one conversation about ministry and um, just to talk to him about, yeah, just some of the things that he learned, some of the mistakes that he'd made and that sort of thing. It would have been incredible. Um, but since then, I've reached out to a number of uh, retired senior ministers and being able to kind of have some of those grandfatherly chats. And so (laughs) that's kind of cool. So I didn't completely miss the opportunity. But yeah, so so from there, so growing up, um, I didn't have a kind of model of uh, a 
of a minister that I was like, hey, I really want to be like them. But there were certainly key moments that God led me um, to, uh, yeah, kind of see ministry as more than just something that I do, but it's actually who I am. And so uh, part of that journey, I remember in high school, if you had asked me like later in high school, what did I want to do when I finished school? Which is like the question, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're in year 11 and 12. Everyone's asking you. And I have to kind of refrain from it. I always ask people this. But yeah, what do you want to do when you finish school? And I would have said, uh, be a surf instructor. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I was on surfing at that stage of my life. And just, yeah, it's literally all I used to think about. But um, a couple of the reasons why I, I was thinking that way which I reflected on later, was firstly, you're uh, meeting a lot of people all the time. And so that's a really core value for me is relationships, connection, and uh, that sort of thing. And so that facilitated that, as well as you're, you're doing something where you're able to add value to someone's life and you're able to see um, them at a point in their life where they are uh, more open and so yeah you're, you're out there in the ocean they're trying something new for the first time they may be um, kind of scared or that sort of thing and so you're able to kind of connect with yeah, them on a level yeah. that you just don't get to walking up to them in the shops or something like that and so for me I saw that as a really um, kind of cool opportunity to build connections and relationships with people and add value to their life which is not something I would have articulated when I was like 18 years yeah, of age, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but God actually used that as a stepping stone to consider uh, full-time ministry. Yeah. That's really cool. So I guess that was one of, in retrospect, one of the things that kind of led you in that direction. Um, what were the other like defining factors for you on the way to going, yeah, this is what I want to do? Yeah, it's a good question. So again, it only came retrospectively, right? So it's so interesting how God is leading us and is able to lead us, but we may not recognize it at the time. Um, Just fast forwarding, just to to put a point to that. um, So coming here to South Australia, there's been a number of areas of my life that I've been drawing on, a number of experiences I've been drawing on that at the time I could have had no idea how valuable that experience yeah. was going to be uh, in my ministry and in my ability to connect with people here on, on that kind of level. And so as a youth director, my portfolio is massive, the types of ministry experiences I'm exposed to. Yeah. And so it's just amazing to look back over the last five, ten years of my life and see that God was preparing me uh, resourcing me for this season of my life and at the time I had no idea yeah, so yeah. I, I'm working right now with chaplains I'm working in high schools I'm spending time with that kind of age group um, in churches resourcing local church youth leaders and that sort of thing and so um, all of my experience exposure to schools um, speaking at weeks of prayer all of these sort of things Um, speaking at summer camps, all of this has helped me to kind of gain a broader sense uh, of ministry and a broader exposure, which has just given me so much insight that I'm I'm continually drawing on here in this role. And I just had no idea at the time. At the time, it was just like, yeah, it's a good opportunity. I'll Mm -hmm. take that opportunity. And yet here I am today, like needing Mm -hmm. that exposure, needing those experiences. And so, yeah, doubling back to 
how God was preparing me and through retrospect being able to see that. So the next key experience for me was um, I went to a youth conference. It's called um, AYC. And in AYC, I went there with a friend. Um, his name's Boris. And the two of us um, were kind of, yeah, just finished high school, wondering what the next step of our life was going to be. And uh, I was actually planning uh, through the influence of a couple of mentors, people that I really looked up to, um, it, at that stage, that they, they had been away to Bible colleges um, in the States. And so I was gearing up to go to a Bible college. So me and Boris go to AYC um, with a few other people that were there. And uh, we, we met a guy named Louis Torres. He, he was running a, a Bible college over in um, Oregon at the time. And so we met him. He encouraged us to go to Mission College, um, which is the school that he was running. And so um, after a, a semester of theology, we went over to the States and studied in this Bible college. He went on to stay there um, in the States and was working for a number of years um, over there. And I came back and went back into, well, I actually started working at Kingscliff Church after that. And then, yeah, spent some time in Fiji, working at a school over there, and then went back into Theo. Um, but yeah, that was a whole story. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. I guess that's yeah. what we're here for, that's, right? That is what we're here for, yeah. <laughs> it's literally the point of this conversation. So it was it was super interesting. So I go and do a semester of theology. I then went overseas, came back to Kingscliff, as I said. I was working as a, a volunteer um, kind of at the church and... Yeah, super interesting experiences. I loved the exposure that I had to ministry, the opportunities that I had to minister there. Um, and partway through my time there, my younger brother was in school. They were doing a mission trip to Fiji, and my parents jumped on that trip uh, just helping as leaders, as staff. And so um, my, a good portion of my family goes to Fiji. They have these experiences. And my dad came back, and he's like, hey, Joel, like, I met this chaplain there. He's also the Bible teacher. He's the dorm dean. He's also the pastor of like five churches in the area. <laughs> this is like the one-man band. You should go and join his band. And I was like, it's not a literal band. Just so, you know. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, no worries. Um, so teed it up. I um, gave the church notice that I was, I was going to be leaving. Went over to Fiji. And I was meant to spend four months there, but I ended up getting sick. But in the meantime... I had a couple of experiences. Uh, and so literally I'm preaching like five times every weekend. Uh, I, I'm teaching Bible. And I'm like a 19-year-old kid teaching Bible to literally 18 and 19-year-olds. Because <laughs> not all of the kids at the school graduated when they were 17. Some of them were repeating classes and stuff. Yeah. And so it was just the craziest experiences. And I'm teaching a class on Revelation. And I chose the topic. It was just like super intense, super heavy. And I, I'm just like, I'm loving it, right? And so having all of these experiences, and then there was this one day this kid came to the house, and he's like, tala, 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 tala. And he'd fallen on some metal, um, some like metal lattice that they had over covering um, one of the windows. He was hanging his washing on it, and he'd fallen 
and the metal went inside his hand and literally peeled his hand. Yuck. So you can imagine like three oh. entry points and all of this skin is now just hanging off his hand. It literally looked like someone had tried to, with a scalpel, just like cut his skin off. It was amazing. And so, and he came to me, right? And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> now, the problem with Fiji is, and this is something, this is kind of hard to fathom. So there's two there's two cars at this school and we are in the middle of nowhere, okay? And so I go, I ran down immediately and I, so I told some of the boys, take this guy down to the road, we'll meet you down there and we'll get the car and, and get, get to the hospital. And this is like a critical situation. Um, he's losing blood and all of that. And so run down and I go to the principal first hey, we need to use your car to get this kid to the hospital. And and he's like, um, sorry, my car's getting serviced. Um, you'll need to check and see what the other car's doing. So you go to the other car. It Anyway, long story short, it takes two hours to get a vehicle and this kid's like passing out, near passing out on the side of the road. Anyway, we get, we get the school truck. It was me, another guy, and this kid sitting in this truck on our way to hospital. And I just felt so powerless. I felt so hopeless. I felt so helpless. Um, in, I had nothing to offer this kid, right? And so we ended up getting to hospital. And it was a Sunday morning. So I'm wearing like these little like exercise type shorts and a kind of baggy, raggy T-shirt <laughs> um, and a pair of thongs. And I turn up to the hospital. They had to call in this doctor and he turns up in like ripped jeans and like (laughs) a raggy t-shirt. And so anyway, he starts sticking this massive needle into this kid's hand and I'm like, I'm pissing out. Like, So I went and waited in the waiting room. The reason why I told you what I was wearing was I got a line of people to come and see me, right, at the hospital. So people as I'm waiting in the waiting room just assumed I was a doctor, like a 19-year-old kid wearing thongs. Um, And so this line of people are there to see me as a doctor, right? And I'm just, like, people are literally trying to hand me their babies and stuff, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, and then this, what tipped me over the edge was this lady started vomiting next to me in the sink, and I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go back into the room. So I went back into the room. He'd had anesthetic by that stage, and so he was kind of calm. They started stitching him up, and so I'm sitting there with him and, um, yeah, just kind of chatting to the doctor. We got back to the school. But that was, that was a really impressionable moment for me. I just remember that feeling in the car of wishing like I had something to offer this kid. And so, yeah, that along with the fact that I ended up getting sick in Fiji at the end. So I was meant to come back to Australia for a week uh, just to kind of yeah catch up with the fam and then go back to Fiji, um, as I said. And I, yeah, so anyway, this crazy crazy situation I ended up getting sick Um, I came back to Australia I ended up in hospital for a couple of weeks I was really really sick and and then I was sitting around my parents house for a couple of months just waiting to get better I was really low Um, and then um, I'd planned with a group from Avondale to go back to Fiji on a mission trip back to the school because I was sitting around doing nothing so I was making plans the whole time so we ended up um, 
I went down to Sydney to meet those guys to then go back to Fiji and ended up breaking my wrist. <laughs> and so you can imagine I've spent quite a bit in hospital up until this point. Um, just And in my whole life, I hadn't really spent much time in hospital. And now I've spent like a decent amount of time in hospital. There's a couple of other experiences that put me in hospital in Fiji as well. And so within like a four-month period, I've spent quite a bit of time in hospital, more than what I normally would. And one of the things that really stood out to me in that time was I'm there and I'm noticing the connection that the doctors and nurses are able to make with people, right? Remember that one of my core things, one of my core values is connection. And I'm realizing that these relationships that they're building at critical moments in their life, I'm seeing this and I'm like, wow, that creates a space for ministry. That creates an opportunity for ministry. And so... I remember I was praying for months and months, just, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? Like, I'm literally sitting around um, doing nothing, just trying to get better, trying to recover. And the whole time I'm praying, like, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? I'm in and out of hospital with different appointments. And so I started asking people because I really value people's input into my life. And I was like, guys, like, what do you think I should do? I've been thinking about potentially doing nursing. Like, what do you think? And everyone started saying, like, Joel, you'd be amazing at that. Like, you'd be so good as a nurse. It's such a joke because I'm terrible at that sort of thing. Like, I, I really struggle. I really struggle. Like, honestly, I've been to hospital a few times since. And, like, the thought of working in that environment is just like, oh, my goodness, I couldn't do it. Anyway, so at the end of that kind of few-month hiatus that I had from any kind of productive uh, productivity in my life, um, I, I just started, like, and I felt like God was answering my prayers, like, yeah, nursing is a good career choice. So this all culminated in this one moment where I went and signed up as a um, as a nursing student, right, to study nursing. And so it took me like two hours. I don't know why the application took me so long. I don't know if it might give you some insight into my academic abilities. I don't know. But I'm there. I'm signing up to be a nurse. Two hours into this process, I just had no peace in my heart, right? Like I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying to convince myself like this is the right thing for me to do. And there was also another experience that I had that led me to believe that I needed to go back to Avondale um, to do some sort of studies. And so I was like, yep, nursing's it. Like, this is a way that I can not only minister, but also have like a a practical way, a point of connection with people, something to offer them in moments of crisis, right? And so I sign up. I didn't press send. Before I press send, I just didn't have any peace in my heart. I went and laid on my bed and I'm laying there and I'm just agonizing with God. Like, God, I've been praying for months. Like, I want you to answer this prayer. I know that you can answer this prayer. Like, I'm not losing faith, but I'm just like, I just, I need you to show up. Like, what do you, tell me what you want me to do. Like, it's not like I'm not open to your leading, right? And so... I'm just praying this prayer. And it's just such a strange, just reflecting back on that situation. Like, why isn't it that God would reveal his will for my life just the first time I prayed that prayer? Like, why would he let me keep going for three months just feeling like I wasn't productive, like my whole life wasn't really going anywhere, feeling kind of sorry for myself and just kind of sitting around the house? Like, why, why would he wait for three months? 
until I was literally at a point where I needed to make a decision going forward in order to reveal his will for my life. Like it, it seems like he's kind of playing playing with us, right? In these moments when we're agonizing, it kind of seems like God could, but he doesn't. And so the way that I've reconciled that in my own mind is God needs us to be at a point where we don't have other options. And that was certainly the point that I was at in that moment, right? If I'm like, hey, God, tell me what you want me to do, and I'll weigh that against what my heart's telling me to do or what other people are telling me to do or whatever else, it's, ne- it's, not, an, yeah. it's not an even playing field. It's, it's either we are going to follow God's will for our life or we won't. Yeah. And, and so if we have other options, if there's so many other things that we could be doing and we just want to consider what he wants us to do with our lives, then why would he show up? Why would he reveal that for us just to put that on the on the shopping list, if <laughs> yeah. you will, of yeah. so many other different things? And, and so in that moment, I was so desperate to know what he wanted me to do and I knew that I couldn't just come up with something to do. I knew that this decision was so critical it was going to impact literally the rest of my life. And so I wasn't willing to make a step, take the next step until I knew that that's what God wanted me to do. And that point in my life, like you can imagine every challenge that I faced, and as a minister I faced challenges, there's no question, dealing with like you're stepping into people's lives um, people invite you into their lives at critical moments and okay, yeah, dealing with death and these sorts of, of moments in people's lives, um, the grieving process, walking people through the grieving process. There's so many times that I've questioned, like, is this where I should be? Is this what I should be doing? Like you get challenging people at church and so you have kind of personality clashes, you have issues with... Um, the conference of bosses, you see people higher up in ministry uh, making moral decisions that make them step away from their career or uh, like there's so you see abuse and so many different facets within the church that you're just like, like there's no way I want to kind of be a part of that system. Um, and yet in all of those moments, every time I've had to question or I have questioned my calling, I've gone back to this moment laying there in my bed when I was praying and the answer that God gave me in that moment has seen me through all of the challenges that I've had since then and it has not been smooth sailing. And so that's one of the critical things for me is if I was just, if God showed up three months earlier and was just like, hey God, uh, hey Joel, you should do this. Um, And I'm like, yeah, cool, it's a good idea, but maybe I'll try this first. I wouldn't have had that kind of resolve in my heart that when things got tough to go back and see that as a platform, a launching pad in my life. And so, yes, it's just become such a critical moment in my life to fall back on. And so what actually happened there in my bed that day, um, and I don't don't recommend this at all. I've never done this um, before this moment and I haven't done it since. But I just took my Bible and flicked it open and because, you know, there's like, there's so yeah, many yeah. people talk about this sort of stuff and it's just like, it, it's so random. It's it's too mystical for me. I, I think that God's more logical than this. But for whatever reason, this is how he communicated to me in this moment. I took my Bible, I flipped it open and my Bible flipped open to Daniel chapter two. And now this is a Bible 
a passage in scripture that I've read many times before. I've given so many Bible studies. I've preached from this passage. And so I was just like, at the time, I was like, mm, maybe, <laughs> maybe God just kind of, maybe my Bible, sorry, automatically opened to that chapter yeah. just because I've been there so many times. It's like muscle memory. Maybe my Bible just automatically flipped. But what that actually said was, it says in Daniel chapter 2, uh, I believe it's verse 29, that you, O king, were laying there on your bed and the Lord revealed to you what your future would be. No way! <laughs> and so, and, and the crazy thing about that is I was like, yes, I'm going to be a king. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> what? Where, where's my kingdom, right? <laughs> no, not at all. But, but my, my initial thought was like, all right, so God is able to reveal the future. God knows the future. He is able to reveal the future. He has a plan for our lives. And so the question is, how do I tap into that? How do I know that? Like, yes, God, you're able to do that. How do I know that? I flicked again because I was like, why did I read that chapter in that verse? I flipped, flipped again and I literally, I physically could not focus my eyes on any other verse on the two pages, right? And so I could only read one verse. And this one verse said that Jesus came to reveal his will to the Pharisees, but they would not listen because they were not baptized. This is a really interesting way for God to communicate to me because I was baptized at that point. But when you think about baptism as the surrendering of your will to God, as the surrendering of your life, your whole life, yeah. it's giving yeah. up your life to God. And so it was really critical for me in that moment because what I believe God was saying to me, and this wasn't an audible voice, but just um, through this passage and then my thought process after this, which I believe was inspired, it was you are doing what you think you've spent three months reasoning through what you think you should do with your life, but I've already given you direction. I've already set the course for your life. And my mo my mind went straight back to that youth conference because there was an appeal at that youth conference, AYC, and it was for people to go into full-time ministry. And I went up the front having not really thought about that before. I was like, I don't even know why I'm going up the front for this appeal. But straight away, my mind went back to that moment. And I just had this resolve and just this peace in my heart that that was God's calling on my life. It was crazy. And so I got up from that experience. I prayed and I just thank God from the bottom of my heart. Just thank you so much for giving me clarity and direction. And even though it was a convicting message, like, hey, your heart is deceitful. <laughs> You're trying to go in a direction that I haven't ordained for your life. And I, I appreciated that message. Um, and so I got up on the drop down tab. I, I deselected nursing and went down to theology and hit send, um, which was such a powerful, critical moment in my life just having this resolve that that is the direction that God wanted me to go. I've had a few moments since then that have confirmed that. And when I say a few, quite a few um, moments that have confirmed that this is where God wants me to be, that this is what God wants me to do. And this is 
God has equipped me and gifted me for the tasks that I'm doing and for um, the roles that I've been performing and for the interactions that I'm having with people. Um, but yeah, that, that was a pretty amazing critical moment in my experience. That's so cool. Um, you're actually not the only pastor that I have spoken to who has said like just like that peace that comes when like you know like what you are meant to be doing and like I've experienced that myself like I guess I have similarities in my story that even just with this podcast like I had been agonizing about like what to do with my life for yeah about three months or so Hmm. Very similar timing. That's um, not divine timing, by the way. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's just Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> um, but, like, like, I mean, I'd been thinking about it for years, but, like, agonising over it for about that time. And then, yeah, like, like where you guys were here in, like, a, um, another podcast about, like, how this whole podcast thing started, it was I actually got knocked out. And it was in those, like, two weeks of having a concussion and not being able to go anywhere that, like, this mm. whole thing, like... And just, like, the peace that comes when you realise that this is where I'm meant to be. Mm. Mm. It's just so reassuring. Mm. Um, at least it was for me. No, yeah. no, it's so true. Because I think deep down all of us want to believe that our life counts for something, right? We want to believe that our life matters. We want to believe that there's more to life than just kind of the mundane, just doing what you're doing sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I think it's those moments, just those moments of clarity where you're like, wow, my life is contributing to a story, a narrative that is so much bigger than yeah. me. Yeah. Like eternity is at stake and God has called me as an individual who is finite. Like the way that the Bible describes us is, we're like a vapor or we're like dust or we're like yeah. grass. We're like here today, we're gone tomorrow yeah. <laughs> sort of sort of statements. And yet with those moments in time that we exist, with that breath that is finite, we have an opportunity to not only make decisions as to where we're going to spend eternity, but we can influence others and impact yeah. others um, yeah. and as to where they're going to spend eternity. And for me, that's just like like crazy (laughs) like mind-blowing the the interesting thing is another um really impactful thing that happened in my life was uh you know when you attend how you got to do work experience yeah yes it's such a funny thing like you're just the most random jobs (laughs) and you've got no skills either so you turn (laughs) up at this these places and you're just like you literally got nothing to offer them (laughs) didn't even know what to wear I get, yeah, I couldn't turn up in my thongs and like board shorts, you know what I mean? So I chose, I chose to do work experience with a builder because I'm like, builders are manly, they're cool. (laughs) It's like, it's awesome. You're able to build your own house. Like what, what better contribution can you make? It's, it's pretty epic. And so anyway, I turn up to work experience at this builder and yeah, it was so interesting. So the first day I'm doing this, like lining this roof was the most boring job I've ever done. <laughs> but I was just like, it's cool. I'm a builder. My hands are getting like rough. <laughs> when I shake people's hands, they won't think I'm a piano player anymore <laughs> sort of situation. And so anyway, I did this like boring day of work. But the house was nearly finished. They were just finishing off the, the house. And then the next day I turn up at this other house. It's like a multi-million dollar house on the beach. Um, and I'm like, yeah, working there. 
But then the next day, they were starting a new job because this builder had like multiple jobs on the go. I'm starting this new job. Um, And so you're literally digging in the dirt like there's nothing there. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. How can you go from building a multi-million dollar mansion, literally? And I was like stuffing it up. (laughs) They gave me a hammer and asked me to hammer in some nails on the decking. (laughs) And I... I feel so bad. I want to find that house and go see the deck. It was terrible. I was, I reckon my ratio was like one in three. I was like hitting the nail and hitting the deck two times. Every one time I hit the nail, it was terrible. So, so anyway, I, I'm there, show up, digging in the dirt, and it just felt so unsatisfying that what I was building, you hand over the keys and then you're back to square one. You're starting from scratch all the time. And I was like, it just felt weird. It felt odd. It didn't sit right with me. And so God used that thought as another opportunity um, to just crystallize the fact that, hey, your life, um, like I want you to be building for eternity, not just for here and now. I want you to be building for something that lasts for eternity. And I'm not saying that building in this day and age is a bad job it's like and there's anything unspiritual about it by any means but for me that was a big deal to just see that hey not only am i meant to be building but i'm meant to be building and contributing to something that lasts for eternity and i believe that you can do that as a builder i believe that you're not just building houses but you can actually impact people's lives you're associating with people that god is calling to spend eternity with him but yeah certainly for me that's how my journey looked yeah that's that's so cool um i guess on so you like you've become a pastor what kind of like you've made that decision you've become a pastor you're mm-hmm. you went to avondale yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um what was like were there any hurdles after that that you had to jump over, like, in your personal life? Like, you said that you had to surrender your life mm. to, like, God's purpose. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, like, for me, in that process, there's been a lot of stuff that I've had to give up. And, like, in mm. retrospect, giving that stuff up was actually really, really good for me. But yeah, at the time, it was really, really hard. Mm. Was there any of that kind of stuff for you? Yeah, for sure. One of the – so, funnily enough, I have that experience on my bed I signed up to do Theo at Avondale, which I'd already done a semester of, but I went back for a semester. Um, and then we went over and volunteered on an island in Micronesia through Adventist Volunteer Services for a year. And so, so I took off straight away again, like literally <laughs> six months later. And so, so anyway, um, I did Greek 1A first semester of 2009, I go away second semester. I was away um, for the first semester of 2010. And I get back um, literally a year later and I'm having to do Greek 1B. And so everyone else that I was in class with at this stage has just done Greek 1A a couple of months ago. And so, man, I miss those long holidays (laughs) as a student. (laughs) It was amazing. But anyway... They that had um, they had all that information, so they were just kind of refreshing. So the teacher's like, hey, in three weeks' time, you're going to have a test of everything that you learned in Greek 1A, and then we're going to move into new material. And I'm literally like heart palpitations, like freaking out. 
that I've got to now relearn a whole semesters of work. And it wasn't just refreshing my mind. I'd literally forgotten everything. I know like two words in Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Artos and Julos. Which mean? Artos means bread and Julos means slave. <laughs> it was in my first vocabulary that we had to learn in like the first week of Greek. <laughs> didn't remember my job i'm sure i could say other words like agape and things that everyone knows but yeah they're the greek words that i know anyway um so so after that class i went home i was laying in my bed again i've had some pretty cool pretty critical moments in my bed and i'm just bawling my eyes out because i'm like god i've come back i didn't really want to come back to college i wanted to just continue volunteering and just live my life and I'm, I'm like, God, I've come back and now I feel like I'm going to fail this course and I don't want to be wasting my time. Like I really want my time to count for something. I believe that you've called me, that you've been using me to minister. I've seen you use me in powerful ways in seeing people's lives transformed. Like I want to see that. I want to continue to see that. And I just, I'm struggling to know how me sitting around here failing a class is going to help that. You know what I mean? It's like, and so I was just agonizing with God again, just bawling my eyes out just praying like god like i don't know how i'm going to do this but i made a deal with god and i said like god i believe that you can if this is what you want me to do i believe that you can i'm going to do my absolute best i'm going to try as hard as i possibly can um but i believe it's going to need to be you that helps me pass this course and so i was there and um yeah i ended up getting my best mark in any (laughs) class in in that subject I think I did better in Greek 1A, but they were, they were definitely, Greek was my highest marks in, and I, that's how much I remember. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so there I am, and I'm just agonizing with God, and I was like, God, like, I need you to help me through this. And again, my mind went back to that moment in my bed where God confirmed that theology was what he wanted me to be doing. He had a life in ministry planned out for me. And this was one of the hurdles that I needed to get over. And and so there's just this, I, I think this pattern has formed in my life. When, when I meet um, obstacles, when I'm met with uh, all sorts of obstacles, and we can't control circumstances, right? Like so many situations come and they make us doubt, they, they cause us to question whether or not this is what God wants us to be doing. And just because it's hard, it doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Yeah. But but when it's hard, it, it makes us question whether it's worthwhile, right? And so the answer that I've had at each junction, at each point in my life where I could have gone either way, um, God has always come through for me. And he did that semester and every other semester. I didn't fail one subject at college, even though it took me like seven years to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> that was because of my own choosing, not because of God's. But yeah, so... It's just incredible to see that every moment that I've been caused to question, and everyone is forced into these moments, right? Like circumstances have meant that you've questioned your calling, your direction, your purpose. I believe that this is really healthy. These aren't moments of doubting. These are moments where God can come through for us and crystallize and further clarify his will for our lives. And so, yeah, for me, that was, again, one of those moments where I was just like, God, I'm going to surrender to you. I believe that you've led me here. And just because it's hard, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep putting my head down and just doing what I need to do. And I actually did catch up on that Greek homework. Um, and, yeah, started. It took me 
it took me longer than three weeks, but I think by week five I was where everyone else was, and then I, I don't, I don't think I overtook him, but I at least <laughs> caught up. To him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, P's equals degrees, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. life is a. Yeah, if I was going to testify one thing, that is definitely something <laughs> I could testify about. <laughs> yeah, as a as a uni student right now, that that is my life right now. Like I was agonising over an assignment that's due tomorrow, yesterday, and yeah, just I I had to put heaps of pressure on myself to like achieve, yeah. and I have to keep my. You just need to pass. Like you you just need to pass. That's yeah. all you need to do. Um, no, that's really cool. Um, so one other thing, just before you transition there, one other thing on just searching and seeking God's will for your life is I think a lot of us fall into the trap of believing that there's only one path that God can have us take, right? And so it means that when we make mistakes or we get in situations that people would deem as mistakes, we feel like we've lost the path. And that we'll never find it again, right? Yeah, and so that's, that's so good. It, it's just like it becomes such a trap for us. And the devil, the enemy, can use those situations to make us question whether we'll ever be on God's path again and his track for our lives, which for me ha- has led to giving into temptation in so many areas of my life, believing that, well, if I've already missed the train, then I might as well just do whatever I want to do, yeah. right? And so we start, we're not only made a decision that led us to where we were but we start making subsequent decisions that just yeah. can totally throw us and we have to live with the consequences of that right and so one of the things for me that has been a huge revelation for me is the fact that God's path it doesn't look, it doesn't look like ours it, it, it's not a straight line and so it or it doesn't at least when you're in the moment, it doesn't look like a straight line. With hindsight, it can, it can be absolutely straight, but it might not look like in in the moment. One of the things that's really helped me, because a lot of the situations I've been in, there's been like two, three, four really good options. Um, I'm not talking like one to be a drug dealer, one to be a pastor. <laughs> like it's pretty obvious that God doesn't want me to be a drug dealer. Um, but like good options, like I can serve here, I can continue my studies at college or I can work here in this capacity. Like one of the moments before I went back to college, that time I was talking about, um, I had an opportunity to go to Tasmania and work as a chaplain. I had an opportunity to go to Nepal and serve um, over there as a Bible worker. And I had the opportunity to go back to college. I ended up going back to college. But all three of those are incredible options. But yeah. all three of those could have led me in very different directions, yeah. right? Yeah. And so how do you make a good decision when there are only good options present for you? Yeah. It's, it's so hard. And so one of the prayers that I've learned to pray is, God, my heart is drawing me in this direction in that moment it was Nepal. I was like, man, I would love to go to Nepal. It's more exotic than Tasmania. <laughs> Although, since going to Tassie, I'm like, I love Tassie. I would have loved living here. But I, it's a good option. Um, I can see that my gifts and talents, that I would be able to invest those in this situation. I believe that that, that would be, uh, I would be utilized and, and that I would even be able to be challenged in developing new gifts and talents and further honing my skills. So this is where my heart is. My heart is on door number three, like Nepal. But 
if you have another plan, if you want me to go somewhere else, then you'll need to reveal that to me because if the decision was left purely up to me, I'm going to choose door number three. Now, if I decide to follow door number three, I'm going to believe that you were leading me down that path because you could have shown up and yeah. led me somewhere else. And yeah. here's the point, right? We take responsibility for our decisions and we take responsibility for searching out God's will. But this is a crazy thing. God is bigger than me. He's smarter than me. He's able to reveal his will in the time that he wants to reveal it. And so me thinking that I need to like do gymnastics in order, like <laughs> mental gymnastics to try and figure out God's will and go on like this little like, uh, yeah, yeah problem solving, like treasure hunt sort of thing to figure out God's will. It makes it doesn't make any sense. Why would I be responsible for figuring out God's will? when he has all the resources. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's let God be God and reveal his will in his timing. And let's just trust that he is able to do that because he is stronger and more yeah. powerful and wiser than us, yeah. right? Yeah. And so in those moments of wrestling, in those seasons of, uh, of kind of just struggling to figure out what God's will is, put the ball in his court. Ask him to reveal it in his timing. Don't try and figure it out on your own because you just don't have all the resources yeah. that you need. And so... In that kind of situation, I, I've prayed this to God. God, I'm going to go to Nepal if you don't tell me otherwise. And I'm going to believe that that is your will because you could reveal it in any way, shape or form that you need. I believe that you've put a burden on my heart to serve. I believe that you've put a burden on my heart to use my gifts and talents to your glory. I can see that this would be able to facilitate that. You show up and tell me otherwise. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I won't believe that I made this decision. I'll believe that you made this decision and that it was you just led me through a different means than what you have otherwise. And so, yeah, I believe that you can move forward in those kind of moments with absolute confidence, even if it was a decision that you felt like you made. You can move forward with absolute confidence because um, God gave you a brain. He gave you a heart. He places burdens on our heart and he wants us to be used and equipped and so when you're in challenging situations again when circumstances don't go your way you can have confidence that God still led you even if you didn't have that lightning bolt moment or even if you didn't have the bible flipping (laughs) (laughs) kind of revelation right you can still have confidence yeah absolutely um I guess we'll start to like wrap it up um so I guess my final question would be if you could go back and give yourself advice for like this whole journey, mm. what would you give? What mm. advice would you give yourself? Yeah, it's such a hard question to be honest. Like speaking to like 18 year old, 20, 22 year old Joel. Um, so, so I think one of the biggest pieces of advice would be what I just said. Like it would have to be, hey, let God be God. Don't try and be God in your life. Don't think that you have to figure all this out on your own because literally you are finite your resources are finite you can't do what you're trying to set out to do you can't possibly know the best decision to make without all the information right and so um (laughs) there's so many situations in life where you're trying to make the best decision um like the stock market, like trying to pick the right stock that's gonna like go 10x. It's just like, it's impossible. There's literally thousands of options and you're like, yeah. 
any one of these could be the one that could like yeah get get you rich and it's like how do you pick the right one only hindsight can tell you which stock's yeah, gonna yeah. outperform the others right so it's just like I have limited and there's guys that spend like months and years and whatever else their whole life studying the charts and even they don't get it right all the time and so using that as an analogy for life and discovering God's will if God is the one that has all the information and I'm going off very limited information because let's be honest I'm not studying the charts every day and I'm not like doing all (laughs) that sort of stuff right and so if I'm coming at searching out God's will for my life with very limited information and I'm trying to make a decision that's going to be the best for my life and provide my life with purpose and meaning and clarity and all this sort of thing. How can I expect my like that's it's literally an impossible task. It's a futile task. And so I think the piece of advice that I would give myself is, hey, Joel, let God be God. Let him do the things that he has promised to do and just trust and know that he is in control of your life. And there's this promise that's found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, like he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And th- that's not a direct um, quote. <laughs> it's it's pretty close. I'm sure I could find a translation that's close <laughs> enough if I needed to. Um, but, but yeah, the idea is that God has begun something in your life. And so for anyone out there that's in a season of questioning right now, um, Go back throughout your life and just say, can you see any moment at all when you've seen God show up? Like, has God done anything, even the smallest thing in your life, to the point where you believe that God is at work in your life? If you can see even one moment, and in seasons of doubt and turmoil and that sort of thing, it's hard to see those. But there's, And this is why I think it's really important to journal around these experiences as yeah. well. Like to have that moment in time to go back to, to fall back to, have that note that you write yourself, um, the future you that's questioning and struggling of like, hey, I saw God show up in this moment. You can know that he's able to do the same. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. Kind of that self-talk, override those, those, those questions and that doubt that you have in your mind in those moments. But I think one of the, the critical things for me is, all right, I've got somewhere to fall back to being a situation where God showed up in my life. And if he who began a good work in you, it's up to him to bring it to completion. And so the fact that he started something and God doesn't start something he can't finish, then all right, I'm just going to stay along for the ride yeah. and keep doing what he's... And I'm, I'm just going to trust that even though I can't see it, that he has a bigger plan for my life and a bigger purpose. And that might mean considerable cost. That might cause me to give up everything that I have it might cause me to give up um, who I am, what I'm doing, or whatever else. But in those moments of questioning, in those moments of just everything's on the table, God, I need to know that this is your will for my life. I'm willing to give up everything. Nothing's more important to me right now than knowing that this is your will. Um, then, yeah, you just got to go with it and let him be God. And when he directs you, have the courage to follow. Because um, I think it's exciting. Most people kind of... I think would struggle in those situations, but I live for it, honestly. Like I love being in those moments where I just feel utterly helpless and feel like I can't can't move forward because I know that that's when God is able to yeah. show up and that's the perfect kind of situation in order for him to show up in my life. Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that. I'm, I'm very much the same. I guess for me, like 
but yeah, everything that you've just said, like really, I really resonate with that. It's, and it's, it's almost like it's super freeing because I know like for me, I put so much pressure on myself to like know what I'm, what I'm doing and when I'm doing it and how I'm supposed to be doing it. And like, yeah, in my head, I'm like saying, yeah, this is for God. But it's not really. It's because I have yeah. like this insane need to know what's happening. And yeah. It's like a control thing. That's it. But That's it's in it. those moments where I've had like... I have no idea what you want me to do mm. and he's actually come through. It's the peace that comes with that is so cool mm. and just so reassuring to know that I don't actually have to have it all together. Yeah. Like, But how scary is that for you, right? Like you're a mum, you've got people that are depending on you for life and it's like not knowing what to do <laughs> and how to do it and how to show up and how to provide, like – that's, yeah, that's sending you to another level. Of, it like, is kind of crazy, absolutely right? terrifying. Like, the, like it's stuff that I'm actually going through like right now. Like mm. one of the things is like giving up work. Like that's mm. one of the things that is like I feel like God is kind of like pushing me towards like you need to stop doing this. Mm. But in my head, I'm like I have a kid that mm. I have to provide for, and like I have a household that I'm running, yeah. and. It's in those moments that, like, he's pulled me up so many times of being like, you are not your own provider. I am your provider. I have provided for you in the past. I will provide for you in the future. I need you to do this now. Yeah. Here's a really crazy thing, Layla, is I think that we need to learn to trust God in those moments because, for example, if you didn't learn to trust God before you had a child, when you have a child and you've got another life depending on you, it becomes even more complicated. The pressure you feel is it, it, it insurmountable, right? And so for, for me, if you didn't have those moments where you could say God has provided for me in the past, he will continue to provide for me now. If you didn't have that moment to fall back on, Right now, your life would be a mess, right? Mm, You'd be like, mm. ah, I can't do it. I can't let go. I can't give up because I like my son needs me, and I, I my household needs me. <laughs> like I need me. <laughs> but but yeah, just having having those experiences from the past to be like, no, I believe that God can show up even when I feel like I'm out of control. Um, and we're not talking about making ridiculous decisions yeah, yeah. here, where you're like, I'm going to give up work so that I can work on my tan you know what I mean like it's not it's not stupid but it's like no I believe that God is directing me I've heard his voice in the past I know what it feels like to be led by God and in this moment I feel like he's making he's uh, leading me to do something ridiculous but I don't believe it's ridiculous because I believe that he is able to show up even when I can't provide for my family and so I'm not going to knowingly put myself in a situation that would be irresponsible but if God leads me to do that, I'm just going to trust yeah. that he is able to. And I guess, like, for me, that whole provision thing, like, the moments where he's provided for me, I wasn't actually being faithful to him at all. Like, mm, it was in mm. a season of my life That's where crazy I thing, had, like, man. completely pretty much rejected him. Yeah. Um, my life was an absolute mess. I was, like, a single mum. Um, living in like my own house, I was like partying every week, every second mm. weekend, because um, <laughs> the other weekends be I had the I had my child. Um, <laughs> I wasn't completely irresponsible. Just <laughs> put that out there. <laughs> but it was in those moments, like I remember sitting at my table and pouring over the bills that were like piling up and wow. going, I have no money. Like I yeah. have nothing. Yeah. I've just spent four hundred dollars in town, but I owe like a grand in bills. Wow. And every single time like God came through and there was like money in my account that I had no idea where it came from and mm. but I didn't credit that to God at the time yeah 
it wasn't until later when I actually came back and was like, no, my life is a mess. I can't do this. Yeah. Like, and this was years later. Yeah. Um, that I've looked back and gone, wow, like even when I wasn't faithful, you still were. Yeah. Yeah. So how much more faithful will you be now? Yeah. That like I'm doing something for you. Like not like not that it's like on me or whatever, but like he's yeah. just he's always faithful. He yeah. he sends rain to the people that believe in him and people who don't. Like yeah. that's just who he is. Yeah. And that's just reassuring for me. Oh, no, it, it really is. And so I, I've had the exact same experiences. Like seeing God show up um when I haven't been showing up gives me the confidence that he'll show up no matter if I do or not. And so it just takes the pressure off me. It takes the pressure off you. And and so I think there's a huge lesson in that for, for um, yes, yeah, some people that are in seasons of doubt or people that are in seasons where they're, um, yeah, they're wondering, like, what, what do I do? What, where do I go? How do I navigate this? Um, yeah, I honestly believe that, that God is able to show up and that he is wanting to show up. Um, but it does require submission. There is a cost. And, yeah, the question is, how are you willing to leave everything you're currently doing behind and actually following his will for your life? Um, yeah, I think that's a challenge. And I've certainly been in situations where I've had to, I've had to put all of, all of that on the altar and just be like, hey, it's nothing compares to what God's offering me right yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and being on the podcast. Oh, nice, Doug. Thanks for letting me testify. It's <laughs> awesome. Man, how good was that? Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me, Joel. I got so much out of that, and I really hope that you guys did too. If you did, why don't you come over to our Instagram? We are Let Them Testify, all one word. And yeah, give us a follow. Or you could send us a message. Either way, I will get back to you as soon as I can. And yeah, thank you for listening. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye!